Some of you know Kyle and Carly well already. Over the next couple of months, we'll get to know them even more. Their story is happening right in the midst of these days. Uh, they have just recently returned from uh, International Mission Board, um, just home office, going through process of assessment, and they have been granted the green light to go as journeymen for two years. And now they're in the stage of praying about what part of the world, and we're going to be a part of their journey over the next couple of months as they pray through that and come to a point of uh, recognizing which place it is in the world that they're supposed to live and serve. And uh, be praying for them as we take that journey uh, with them. Uh, this, is a, this is an amazing time of year. The music that we're a part of uh, during these days, always just a favorite time of the year. A great celebration. It's captivating for us. And many of you have things going on in your world and life that has you anticipating these days and celebrating in these days of Christmas. And this is the last Sunday before uh, Christmas Day. And so it's really uh, exciting to me to be able to stand before you and open God's word and be a part of just fellowshipping with you during this important season in the life of our church and in the life of the kingdom. And nothing captivates us like Christmas, and that's even based on statistics. Uh, it's a year-long, round-the-clock process for so many. Uh, it's uh, something that we start decorating for right around Thanksgiving. We sing songs all month. Uh, surveys say that over 90% of Americans celebrate Christmas in some way. Now, a large, large majority of those that are celebrating Christmas in some way or the other I unfortunately can't tell us the details of the very first Christmas, but Christmas itself is celebrated by uh, just the nation. It's celebrated around the globe. Uh, Christmas itself is a celebration that really looks backward. It's a celebration that we anticipate getting to. But when we get there, what we're doing is actually looking back and celebrating a birth, a historical event, a real event of a real person being born to a real mom in a real place, laid in a real manger. And so we come to this time of the year and we're, we're having a birthday party. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus, born to the Virgin Mary, in a city of Bethlehem, was placed in a manger. And people came to worship him. Angels announced his birth. Shepherds came and they observed and they went away telling the story. And fast forward to December 19th, 2021. And here we are looking back, still celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. So many of the songs that we sing at Christmas are written in past tense. Songs like, it came upon a midnight clear. Songs like, the first Noel, the angels did say was to, if I got my English right, I think that's past tense. But a lot of these uh, songs that we sing, even though they may not be written in past tense, they're an invitation 
for us to be transported back to that very first Christmas as if we were there, sort of like the little drummer boy song we sang. And what would it be like if we were standing there when the shepherds first heard? What would it be like if we were standing where the manger was and the baby had been laying there? What kind of night would it have been, a holy night or a silent night? Uh, and, and so our minds, even in our imagination, are drawn back to something in the past. This morning, on this Sunday before Christmas of celebrating the past birth of Jesus, I want to invite you to the future. I want to invite you to Christmas future. I want to invite you to see how the grand celebration of Christmas is so tied to eternity, to the future. Open your Bibles, if you have them, to Revelation. And our Christmas message just prior to Christmas Day is about the future. Revelation chapter 7. This week, I've been captivated by Christmas, a lot of that has to do with the way our home looks and the presents that Carla has been wrapping, uh, plans of all 10 of our siblings coming in and packing into our house, and I don't know if there are there, is there any, any kids still in the room that are looking forward to Christmas Day, anybody, I mean, this, this morning a hand shot up and person, a kid kid hollered and said yes and had a full beard and bald-headed. I was like, there's a kid right there. Revelation chapter 7. This vision for Christmas future is not my vision. It's not my revelation. It's the vision of God. It's the vision that God gave to the apostle John and has been recorded for eternity in the book that we call Revelation. Revelation chapter 7. And this morning in Revelation chapter 7, I want to invite you to be captivated by Christmas future in three ways. I want to ask you to join with me in anticipating the future. I want to ask you to join with me in celebrating the future. And then finally, I want to invite you to join with me in participating in the future. First of all, an invitation to you to join me in anticipating Christmas future. Revelation chapter 7, beginning here in verse 9. After this, I looked and behold... A great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. The first invitation today is to anticipate the future. When we turn in our Bibles to Revelation chapter 7, verse Nine, we're reading a document, we're reading words that are almost 2,000 years 
old, but still even today, these are words of prophecy. These are words that have not been realized yet. This is a scene of heaven given to the Apostle John by God to show him of a day coming in the future. We get the privilege here in God's word of seeing heaven, of seeing people that are in heaven and seeing the activity of heaven, and it gives us a glimpse of the future. It gives us a glimpse of eternity. Look at the scene. After this, I looked. Who looked? The apostle John. Where did he look? He looked into heaven. He looked into the throne room. And behold, that's the way he reacted to it. It's like he, he saw something. And the word behold just gives you this impression of eyes wide open and mouth on the floor and just stunned by what he saw. And he says, and as I looked, and behold, first a great multitude that no one could number. Have you ever been in a, a crowd where you would describe it as a multitude? Years ago, you could say that about the mall on the weekend before Christmas, couldn't you? You remember those days when the cars were parked all the way out to the road and go into the malls and they're hustling and bustling and you're just worn out. It's just amazing. A multitude of people you might come home and say. Maybe you've been to a sporting event and you said, man, it was it was so many people there. But, you know, even in sporting events, regardless of if there's this massive crowd, somebody's always there to tell us there were 94,368 people there today. I mean, somebody's got to count somewhere of how many's in the crowd. But when the Apostle John looked into heaven and he saw the throne room of heaven, his description that he gave here was a great multitude, not just a multitude, but a great multitude that no one could number. We live in a world of 7.8 billion people today. That's who's alive today. That's not counting those that'll be born tomorrow. That's not counting those that'll be born between now and when this scene is fulfilled. That's not counting those that were born before today and have already died. And this is a scene of eternity here where those who have come to heaven are described as a great multitude that no one could number. And then he describes it. He said, this great multitude that no one could number was from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. You know what that says to us? When I read it this week, I read that and I thought, that means everybody there is not going to be like me. There are going to be a lot of folks there different than me. There are going to be people there that were born in America, but a different part of America. There are going to be people there that have never even heard of America. There are going to be people there with a different color skin than me. There's going to be people there with a different physical build than me. There are going to be people there with new bodies that are different. Every nation, he, when, when he looked into heaven, it wasn't a great multitude that no one could number, that all looked the same. His view of heaven still gave him a vision there to see, well, there's every nation there. There's every tribe there. There's, listen, 
I hear languages. There's every language there. Every tribe, every nation, every people, a scene yet to be fulfilled. And when I read these verses Beyond the magnitude of this and the scope of all different nations and all different tribes, people like me and different than me, people like you and different than you, this is a scene that hurts. This is a scene that hurts. This is a scene that hurts today because statisticians tell us that 155,400 people die every day without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so until this day happens, at least 155,000 people are dying, headed for an eternity in hell, separated from the presence of the Lamb of God. And some of this 155,000 people are more than numbers to you. Some of that 155,000 are your relatives. They're your friends. They're your co-workers. They're your neighbors and your teammates and your teachers and your students. Some of them are strangers. This scene hurts. Those who study global population tell us that there are right at 12,000 people groups. Not 12,000 different nations or 12,000 different countries, but 12,000 different people groups. There's some identifying factors that connect them in a, in a unifying bond. 12,000 of those people groups. Those who study Christianity and the spread of the gospel tell us that of those 12,000 people groups, 7,000 of those people groups still remain in a category of unreached. 7,000 people groups of the 12,000 unreached. What does unreached mean? That means that 2% or less of that population knows Jesus Christ. Three thousand of those unreached are also unengaged. That means that there's 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 no um, effort to reach them. This is a scene that hurts because this is a scene that is not realized yet, and it's affecting eternity for a lot of people. But this is also a scene of hope. Stay with me. This is a scene of hope because this is a scene of what will be reality one day. I don't know where you've lived this week. I, I don't know what you've read. But if you just have any kind of tie to current events and any kind of social media or print media or media that comes in that you listen to, you combine all the headlines of where our world is, whether it's news of pandemics or economy or weapons development or conflicts among people and nations, we would look and we would be tempted to say, this world is crumbling. You have events going on in your own life that doesn't make the news 
cycle that is more real to you than anything in the paper and you look around and say, man, my life is crashing. What I want you to see here in a world that we could describe and give support to and say this world is falling apart, it's going nuts, it's going crazy. The picture here of hope is is that there is coming a day in heaven where those 12,000 people groups, every single one of them will be represented around the throne of God. What does that mean? That means if there are still 7,000, if there are 7,000 unreached people groups, what that means is that over the days ahead and the years ahead, that there are a lot of people that are going to be saved. That means that a lot of people are going to turn to Jesus Christ in faith. I don't know if it'll be some kind of revival that sweeps our nation or a great awakening that sweeps the, the globe, if it'll happen in one year or five years or 100 years. But according to this scripture, as real as the birth of Jesus Christ in a manger will be the realness of a throne room in heaven where a great multitude from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language will gather. That gives us hope that God's still changing lives. Listen, you may have come in today and 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 you're you're living under the circumstances. Well, here's the the promise of Christmas future. God's still saving people. I think about these unreached people groups. We don't have to go any further than the story that's happened right here in our congregation. For over three years ago, we were just praying for an unreached people group. We didn't have a name. And then God put the name the Bing people of Nepal. We didn't know where they lived in Nepal. We've learned that there's about 150,000 Bing people living in Nepal. We began to just pray for Nepal and pray for the Bing and pray that God would give us opportunity. And then a door opened for us to go. And we sent a small team into Nepal looking for the Bing people. And when I say looking for the Bing people, I mean looking. Do you know any Bing people? Do you know anything? Can you find, help us find a village? And, and there's just conversations until one connection to another connection. A guy who speaks English says, I think I know some Bing people. And he took our group to a village. And that village had recorded their first ever tornado. And they thought our group was a part of a team from the government bringing tarps for their houses. And there was peace and an openness to them. And they said, we're, we're not from the government. We came to share good news with you. And they wound up sharing the good news. And in that trip, in that event, an unreached people group had the miraculous privilege and joy of leading a man, Ramesses, to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus. And he was saved. That was miraculous. And one new people group now has their name recorded in heaven. We learned last Sunday, it's been two years since we can get in the country because of COVID. Robbie told me this week 
we just learned last Sunday that Ramesses has died. That Ramesses is in heaven today. Amen. Anticipate. And listen, hey, that story of the Bing people over the past year is not the only story. The International Mission Board tells us that 247 new people groups have been reached. God's writing his story. And lives are being changed. We need to anticipate the future. Number two, I want to invite you to celebrate a Christmas future. When you look in these verses, you come to verse 10, just before it says, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, verse 10, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Celebrations are usually done deals. But I'm inviting you today to celebrate the future. Celebrations are usually settled. No confetti drops until the horn sounds. How many of you in this room today started celebrating your retirement in year one of your employment? Maybe you waited at least to the fifth year. But you celebrate your retirement when you retire. When will Georgia celebrate? Did they celebrate first game of the year? No, you celebrate when the horn sounds. That's when the confetti falls. In Indianapolis, when the horn sounds... The confetti falls. We'll celebrate, but not until then. Let me tell you this. When does a Christian celebrate eternal life? Now. The war's already won. That's why he gives us revelation. For us to see day in and day out of living in this temporary world that we're headed to an eternity in the presence of Almighty God. We will be in the surrounding the throne of God with the Lamb of God. Look at the look at how they celebrated. It says they were waving palm branches. It says that they fell on their faces. It said they heard them worshiping, saying, Amen. That means let it be. This is right. Offering blessing, offering glory, attributing wisdom to the throne with thanksgiving, offering honor, power, and might to our God forever and ever. Amen. Their movements show worship. Their voices show worship. Their position shows worship. Their words show worship. Worship. Some Christmas songs talk about the past. But don't miss, don't listen, don't miss the Christmas songs that point to the future. Joy to the world. 
the Lord has come. Let heaven and earth rejoice. Let earth receive her what? King. I saw this week somebody said the manger was the first king-size bed. reason we celebrate Christmas looking back is because of what Christmas means for the future and we worship him but this is a convicting scene this is a convicting scene because we believe that Jesus came as Emmanuel which means what God with us and if God is with us like God was with them in this scene. And I'm convicted of how weak my worship is. And I ask, Lord, why? And what I was convicted about this week is the reason that my worship is often so weak is because I am so captivated by the temporary things of this world and I'm too attached I'm too attached to and I get real excited about a lot of things so many of those things that I get outwardly excited about are things that will never be in heaven that will never last How's your celebration going already? Tonight we'll have this Christmas concert. It starts at 7 and we'll come in and we'll celebrate. I can guarantee you that tonight when they sing and play, that that won't be the first time they've sung and played together. There's been a lot of preparation. There's been a lot of rehearsal. There's been a lot of practice getting ready for the big show. I don't know how to argue this out but this is something that is just in my mind I just feel like when we get together as a group of people in the name of Jesus and we come here to worship that really what we're about is just dress rehearsal and week after week after week after week after week our worship is to get us ready for that day of the big show when every nation every people, every tribe, every tongue, every language joins together in worship around the throne. Listen, the celebration starts now. Don't let the circumstances rob you of your joy. I'm like several of you. I'm like several of you. This will be my first Christmas that my dad won't physically be there. And a lot of things about Christmas that that changes. There's even a temptation for it to steal some joy and some happiness from the day. My mom set us all straight Thanksgiving. We're getting ready to pray over Thanksgiving meal and 
brothers there, sisters there, their family were there. My mom says, we all miss Jerry today. She said, but I want you all to know, Jerry's not worried about us today. Some people tell me that he's looking down on us. Jerry's not looking down on us. He's not worried about us. Here on this earth, in this place, he's in heaven. She said, I was married to Jerry for 62 years. Today the Lord is my husband. And we're not going to let the enemy steal us of our memories or our joy. Let's pray. And I was like, pass the plate, give an invitation. Somebody's going to get saved in mama's house right now. Listen, we, we, we walk in and we can, and the, the temporary things of this world and this life can steal our worship. I'm asking you, look back, celebrate the birth of Jesus, but with one eye and a whole heart, look ahead. And celebrate the Christmas future when we'll be around the throne with the King of Kings. Here's the last thing. I invite you to, with me, participate in Christmas future. I said to you, this scene hurts. That's because people are dying without Jesus. There's coming a day where every tribe and nation will be represented around the throne. How will they be there? It says in verse 13, one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Those that were around the throne in heaven went to heaven in the same way that every person goes to heaven. It's when we have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We don't go to heaven because we're good. We go to heaven because Jesus was good. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross. And when I place my faith in Jesus Christ, my life is covered by the payment of his blood. God looks at me as a sinner in debt with sin that I cannot pay. Jesus Christ died and took my sin. And when I believe in him, God takes the righteousness of Jesus. And in justification, he puts his righteousness on my debt account and stamps it paid in full. And I find myself before him washed by the blood. Of the Lamb. But how will people know? How will people be saved? We have this glorious opportunity to participate in this scene coming true. In Romans chapter 10, the word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. In verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And so today as we anticipate the future and we celebrate the future, I'm calling you as a church at Watkinsville to participate in the future. Participate in the future by sharing the good news that's in your mouth and in your heart. Participate in the future by praying. Those that received us in Nepal who had been on the field there and they saw Ramesses come to know Christ and connections made with the Bing people. The testimony that, that they gave to us was, this is not normal. Somebody's praying for y'all and these people. And it was a reminder to us that as those that are sent out go with the good news that we go with them in our praying. And I would ask you to participate in Reaching the, the, the globe with the gospel by making prayers for lost souls and unreached people groups a part of your daily prayers. I ask you to participate by going. That's what Kyle and Carly are doing. That's what Andy and Stephanie did. That's what Chris and Jess did. That's what my nephew Kaysen did. That's what Todd and Deborah did. Maybe Kyle and Carly will be the couple to reach another unreached people group. Maybe you will be the person that will reach the next unreached people group. I ask you to participate in giving. There are two guarantees at Watkinsville every December. Two guarantees every December. Number one, Carol of the Bells. We're going to have it. We're going we're gonna to listen. We're going to celebrate. We look forward to it every year. And number two, I'm going to ask you to give to reach the world for Jesus. We call it our Acts 1-8 offering. Half of it goes to the International Mission Board. A fourth of it goes to the North American Mission Board. That allows those like Carly and Kyle and Todd and Deborah and Andy and Stephanie that have gone to stay on the field and work. And we support them. We make it possible. It takes $61,000 on average for a missionary couple to be on the field for a year. That covers everything. $61,000. And it's, and it's our, our place, our privilege to be able to stand in the gap for those that are willing to go. And I want to ask you to make your greatest Christmas gift this year for Jesus to Acts 1-8. Be captivated this year by Christmas. Not just what happened in the past but what is guaranteed to happen in the future. Father, we bow before you. I thank you for the hope we have in the news of Jesus, not just for today, but for eternity. 
Lord, I pray person after person after person in this room would be captivated by Christmas. You'd give us an eye toward the future. We would participate in fulfilling the Great Commission. We love you. Lord, I feel like this is a message that doesn't stop right here at the end of a sermon. By your spirit, would you just keep preaching this word? Anticipate, celebrate, participate in Christmas future. Keep preaching it to our souls. Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen.